Welcome everybody to the IBM Developer Podcast. We are your hosts, Justin Halsall and the beautiful Luke Shantz. In this episode of the IBM Developer Podcast, we're going to be talking about the service mesh project Istio, as well as patenting and inventing. Before we get to talking about Istio, there's a lot of misconceptions around patenting and inventing. Wait, wait, so it's not, oh, you make a thousand non-light bulbs and then a patent rolls out. It turns out that to work on patents, at least, you know, within companies, you're working on teams that are identifying problems. You're, you're really collaborating. You're, you're, you're sharing ideas. I'd love to be a master inventor and have no idea how one pulls that off or does that or becomes that or is that. Are you born a master inventor? Is that... I, th- I, I don't know. But we're going to find out, aren't we? We are going to find out. I know who just to ask. Ooh. I, I know who to ask. And actually, spoiler, I already asked. What? I already asked. We're going to go find out. We're going to... Let's get to it. Who do you have? Who do you have? Lynn Sun. Lynn Sun? Lynn Sun. IBM master inventor. Over 100 patents to her credit. Holy snap. And it turns out also... She's a contributor, one of the hottest, most important technologies going right now, which is Istio. Oh, yeah. The kind of like the big add-on to Kubernetes, which makes Kubernetes so much more powerful and usable. What did you learn from your conversation with Lynn? By breaking up the monolith and creating microservices, we solved the problems of the monolith, but now we created new problems of the microservices. All of our different containers in our microservices architecture, they are isolated. They're not communicating with each other but sometimes they need to. Right, yeah. If you and I are just hacking away, we could spin up some containers, open up some ports, send some messages around, but that's no way to run any kind of company. We all have policies and we all have security measures. We have you know, all kinds of compliance and business drivers, mm. all sorts of things that we have to face how we run our infrastructures and our, our applications. So what Istio is doing is creating a service mesh so that we can have these Ways of dealing with the necessary communications between microservices and Mm. containers. I'm already learning stuff, Luke. I'm really looking forward to hearing the interview. Well, let's get to it, buddy. Awesome. Hi, my name is Lin Sam. Very excited to be here at KubeCon Europe. I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, have two kids with my husband. I'm a maintainer on the Istio project, a senior technical staff member with IBM. I'm also master inventor with IBM. I should say my hobby is traveling, and I'm hoping I would be able to learn Spanish one day. Thank you, Lin Sun. Thank you. So happy to be here. Since we're here at KubeCon, I wanted to ask you about your work with Istio. Istio is open service mesh platform that was launched by Google and IBM about two years ago at GluCon. Uh, in fact, we are going to hit our birthday um, this Friday. What Istio essentially does provide to a user, I want to have the user think about their microservices as as a room, 
Think about your living room with a little bit messy. It's not always very clean because your living room carries functionality beyond what the living room is supposed to carry, right? So the living room is supposed to have sofa, have lights, and necessary furniture, but your living room might have the actual additional pieces. As you build additional things onto your living room, so think about Istio. The service mesh framework、uh, brings to you is really bring a big, gigantic storage bin to your room. It helps you to unclutter your room to extract. The long essential piece of your room, which you also think about, it's your microservices, and then take those out of your room and having that being to be programmable. So we provide interfaces for you to program in that storage being, so that it gives you visibility into your room. It also allows you to. Route traffic intelligently. It also allows you to do secure communication when multiple of your room needs to communicate. That's the way I'm thinking about service meshes. Helps user to unclutter their room by moving the long essential stuff out to that storage being provided by service mesh framework like Istio, and then we allow user to kind of really have a clean room and clean application. Yeah, so I think clutter is one of the problem I was trying to highlight. The second problem is also、uh, communication, right? Because we were talking about one single room. There's obviously this clutter problem we need to solve. But as your monolithic breaking into multiple microservices, this problem of how does the services going to communicate to each other? Can you trust the communication among the two or many of the microservices? And also, what if there's network connectivity problem among the two? Can you do retries? Can you build some type of resilience among the communication of your microservices? Because this wasn't the problem with monolithic when everything was in one single gigantic house or building, but now you're breaking part into individual rooms. So you have to handle these communication and resiliency problem. And thirdly, I would say, you know. Once you have the communication problem solved, and also the clutter problem solved, you want to know what's going on with each of your room, right? Think about it, if you are running. A hotel where you have so many hotel rooms, you want to know exactly what's going on within the tenancy of the each room. So that's important too.、Uh, so, fourthly, is also you want to have policies on your room, right? Maybe some of the room can only handle certain capacity. So that's when policy you want to come in、uh, to apply policies to maybe some of the room, but not everybody else. That makes a lot of sense, and it's it's interesting though that there's problems with the monolithic structure. So then we've created these new ways of abstracting, but then that's also created new problems. Right, exactly. There's new problem. That's why service mesh framework comes in to tackle these new problem, like you said. Well, so let me ask you this: What else is going on that you're excited about? 
Inside of Istio, there's a lot of things I'm also excited about. I'm excited about um, the upcoming 1.2 release because I'm personally the release manager for that release along uh, with another release manager at Google. Um, so we definitely want to make sure our user has a good experience with that release. We want to make sure user has an easy onboarding process onto that release. We want to make sure user can gracefully and without interruption to upgrade from Istio 1.1 to that release. So different hats I'm kind of wearing, um, making sure that release is going well. So super excited to be release manager, uh, step into a different role into this project. I'm also very excited about the roadmap of Istio, especially um, Mixer version 2. Every time I give out an Istio talk, I'm not very happy about the fact that the user's request from the data plane has to go through the mix policy central component to see, is my service A allowed to talk to service B? And if that communication is allowed, I'm go ahead to you know, send a request to. So that's a latency on the user's flow, an unnecessary call. And I actually find out this at the beginning of the project that if you are having Mixer running, even without using policy, you actually pay the price for that call. So in 1.1, we actually solve this a little bit better, but it's not perfect yet. It's that we actually disable Mixer checks. So that helps our user. However, it doesn't help help um, the telemetry user, when you're using telemetry within Istio, you still pay that penalty to process data and send it data to Mixer telemetry, which in turn sends to the telemetry backend. So Mixer version 2 and the new Envoy extension model I'm seeing in the community, it's really interesting. It's providing this extensibility to the Envoy sidecar to help eliminate that policy overhead from the control plane perspective. So that's really interesting. I'm also excited about some of the usability work we're driving through the community to simplify Istio CTL, to help user providing a transparent service mesh to our user. We're trying to enumerate some of the actual pods and services requirements onto our user as they onboard their microservices onto Istio. So those are interesting What's really exciting you right now besides uh, Istio? Outside of Istio, I saw CNCF has approved this new traffic SIG. I think it will be really interesting. I think it's giving the competition out there among Istio, among LinkedIn, and there's this new service mesh interface just launched um, by Microsoft yesterday. I feel there's going to be a need uh, to standardize. So first, I want to see standardization between the control plane components and the data plane components and have that standardization endorsed by a foundation like CNCF. Secondly, I think we should look at service mesh interface. Is that something we really need to have once we have the standardization among control plane and data plane? So I'm looking forward to see interesting things coming out in that space. 
Wow. And what, I, what I'm finding fascinating is by standardizing and having certain things set, it allows you to have more flexibility. It reminds me what I'm hearing about containers. We want to standardize how orchestration is handled, but what a container is can change. Right, exactly. So if we can standardize the control plane and the data plane communication flow, and then maybe there's one day, you know, it still can allow a different data plane provider beyond. I think it's still, there's already a proof of concept that people plug in Nginx as in replacement of Envoy to be able to do communication with Nginx as a sidecar to be able to participate into the mesh. So if we can drive the standardization uh, between the data plane and the control plane, maybe some of the issues around different vendors participate into the space, we can all you know rally around the specification to help solving the problem in Kubernetes, to help solving the problem in VM and also in Bellmetal. So that those are the different aspects because people come into the space of service mesh, they are looking at their specific angles, specific expertise, and then they want to solve that problem and then they may you know have a slightly different implementation. And people also have their baggage and legacy too. You mentioned that you're working closely with someone from Google on this and People that are into open source may realize that this is how open source works. Maybe you could mention a little about how even companies that are competing with each other in a particular space will be collaborating on the underlying technologies. Yes, absolutely. In fact, it's not just Google. We are working within the community. There's a couple of players in the community. So that's one thing I actually love about Istio. It's a very open community. And we are also taking a lot of feedback from our contributor on how do we improve contributor experience. For instance, we actually run a survey um, to our contributors and also our user, a different survey, to see what are the pain points of them and how can we make their experience better. So Google is certainly a very key player and a great partner of us on the Istio project, but it's a really open community. So the way the, the community is structured is we have uh, different work groups that meet every week or every other week. The schedule can be determined by the work group leads, and but everyone can approach the work group leads openly and let them know, hey, I have this topic, can I get on this agenda? Or I have this topic, can we add an extra meeting? So that's all on the table. We actually categorize into performance work group, networking work group, security, uh, telemetry work group. And then we also have this technical oversight community where it's an open community for everybody to participate where the work group leads or anybody or people on the committee can actually bring issues to discuss, to reach a consensus from a TOC perspective on, you know, where the project should be headed. So uh, we are trying to do this very open, and we also record these uh, on YouTube. So if you're in a different time zone, you couldn't participate, you can always listen to you and give us the feedback too. 
wow, 100 plus patents. You're prolific with this patenting. And I wanted to ask you about your creative process. Yeah, there's a couple of things I find out really interesting. So first, you don't want to constrain yourself. I remember I started inventing about a little bit over 10 years ago. And also, interestingly, I happened to work in an open source project uh, at IBM back then. And then a lot of people come to me like, how do you do inventing when you are working on open source projects when you're not supposing kind of protecting your IP? So um, I actually took a slightly different approach. I decided, you know, if what I'm working on is going to be open source, it's not something I want to protect or the company wants to protect, I could look at my daily life, right? So we started actually looking at how do we do social media? How do we do mobile? What are the biggest pain points that's really hurting me um, on the daily life? And uh, what are the things I wish we could change to make the world a different place for people? So these are kind of the things we started looking at. So that's uh, one thing, number one. Be very flexible on what you are inventing. Don't constrain yourself. Number two is... You definitely want to, as a new inventor, I certainly went to senior inventor. I went to brainstorming groups. So it's interesting. Back then, we had uh, Julie King was a distinguished engineer at IBM. She kind of group uh, a group of women together, and then we met uh, monthly around lunchtime. And then she said, "Inventing is like a big thing at IBM. You really needed to help you get to the." Like a ladder within your career. So she kind of helped us divide us into different brainstorming group. So I kind of had my little group and started contributing. So that actually take it really forward and become my first patent. Uh, looking back, it's something small, but actually it wasn't intuitive. It wasn't obvious back then. So it generates lots of excitement for me. And then once I see I can do the first, it's just one of many to come. So it's getting through the first one. It's really hard. But once you get through, you have become a lot more confident. So that's my third point is don't ever be frustrated if you actually being rejected because I went through close, we went through publish, and then we actually landed our first file. So it does take a journey to get there. But once you have your first few, you become a lot more confident. A fact I normally tell people about patenting is ever since I look at my first house we purchased in Raleigh, North Carolina, it's a middle size of house, and I look at the house of the value and how much I'm award I'm getting through our patenting. Uh, it's about actually the same dollar amount um, as what IBM reward me as a prolific inventor. So it's really cool. That is really impressive to buy your house with your at-work side hustle. Right. Um, not counting I have to pay tax, but it's literally about the equivalent dollar amount Yeah, throughout um, all the years I have on invention. That's really interesting. And thank you for sharing that. Because I think a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about what IP is, and they think about the novelty of the idea, but it really is... It's more complicated than that, isn't it? Yeah, you really have to convince 
a board of experts that your idea is really onto something, and your idea is not obvious to people who are the expert in the domain. So that's really the key. Is to them who working on this in a daily basis that they never heard of it, and they actually think it's not obvious for them to come up with the idea. I think that's the hardest part. So for me, it's even hard right now. I have to say, even though I have this many patents, because it's always a challenge. And the technology is moving, so you have to stay a little bit ahead of the curve to come up with something interesting. And that's one thing I try to do also to. Give back to the community by either serving on a patent review board. I'm also the new program chair for Master Inventor Selection Program for the whole IBM Cloud within IBM now. So I actually own the responsibility to make sure we are selecting and renew the next Master Inventor for the year. So it's just one way I try to give back and also connect with the other inventors. That's really interesting too, because maybe the general perception is the inventor is the lone mad scientist, but in reality, it seems like community is a big part of it. Getting involved and and maintaining these the infrastructure that is necessary. Yeah, it's actually really really important.、Uh, one thing I find out is during our brainstorming groups, a lot of times. Because the purpose of the meeting is to come up an idea, but a lot of times I would come in to say, you know what, I've been so busy with work, I really don't have any ideas. However, I actually have this pain points that bug me every single day. You know, I wish there's a way to improve that. So I started that conversation, and then there's another inventor on the team. They would. You know, think about it differently. They were like, "How about let's bring maybe VR into the picture? If we have this technology, how can we do it different for you?" So those are the conversation really help to spark you know some type of ideas. And then the other inventor on the table could chime in to say, "Let how about we extend this and take it to the next level?" And then when all these adds up together, sometimes we would vote in. Well, this is something really interesting to pursue. Let's go ahead, write it up, and see where it can take to. So it, a lot of it's getting in touch with yourself and the problems, and maybe bringing that to the community and having this dialogue. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing is also you want to pick who are you inventing with. As if, when you start new, it may not be that important, but you definitely want to always look at people who have the same passion level and the same contribution level as you, and the same commitment on time. Right? We had invention groups; people are not showing up. So you definitely want to look at people at the same commitment and same contribution, and those are. The easiest way to help you spark the idea, and also you want to set up goals for your group. Like a typical goal we do is really aggressive: is one person per month. So you may not think that's a lot, but if you think about, there's four people on the team. It's like four submission per month. It's actually a lot. Throughout the years, you get a lot of plateaus if you have a really high successful rate. So that's how we kind of roll some of these patterns together. That was great. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Lynn, for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Now, if you want to check out more episodes, 
Our website is, of course, developer.ibm.com slash podcasts. We're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, and on a boatload of other platforms. Of course, we'll be linking to that from developer.ibm.com slash podcasts. My Twitter handle is at Juice10, and we have the amazing Luke, who is at Luke Schantz. You can ask him some amazing questions. Give us suggestions for the podcast. And, of course, if you have any questions for Lynn, Luke, what's her Twitter handle? You could find Lynn at LynnSun underscore UNC on Twitter. Excellent. And if you want to learn more about Istio, you can go to istio.io. That's the website, has all of the information, and we'll be linking to an amazing code pattern that will be teaching you more about SEO and how to use it in the show notes as well. So check that out, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening.